Assignment 2. Special Education in Context. Let's begin our review of Assignment 2 titled Special Education in Context, People, Concepts, and Perspectives. This assignment provides an overview of special education and related services, the different disability categories and ages covered under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA. We describe the difficulties that labeling presents and the ways in which educators consult and collaborate with service-related personnel to provide special education. Finally, this assignment provides an introductory understanding of services offered for children from birth to the age of five and transition services for children 16 or older. Learning Objective 2-1. Define Special Education. Special education is sometimes necessary when a student is identified as having a disability. Just because a student has a disability does not mean that special education is automatically required. Special education is appropriate only when a pupil's needs are such that they require specialized services and supports to access the general education curriculum. Simply stated, special education programs are customized instructional programs designed to meet the unique needs of an individual learner. For example, an adolescent with a visual impairment may require books in large print. A pupil with a physical disability may need specially designed chairs and work tables. A student with a learning disability may need extra time to complete an exam. Special education is not limited to a specific location. Contemporary thinking is that services should be provided in a natural and normalized environment appropriate for that particular student. Many times, special education can be delivered in the general education classroom. For special education to be beneficial and meet the unique needs of students, teachers must collaborate with professionals from other disciplines who provide related services, speech-language pathologists, social workers, and occupation therapists are only a few of the many professionals who complement the work of general and special educators. Related services are an integral part of a student's special education. Before leaving this discussion on definitions and terminology, it is important to reiterate that individuals with disabilities are more like their typical peers than they are different. Always remember to see the person, not the disability, and focus on what people can do rather than what they can't do. Learning Objective 2-2. List which disability categories are served under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA. Our second objective addresses learning about the different disability categories served under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA. A category is a label assigned to groups of individuals who share common characteristics and features. The Federal Special Education Law, Public Law PL 108446, or the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA, of 2004, identifies and serves 13 disability categories. Some states may add additional categories to those federally identified. The categories are as follows. Autism. Deafblindness. Developmental delay. Emotional disturbance. Hearing impairments, including deafness. Mental retardation. Multiple disabilities. Orthopedic impairments. Other health impairments. Specific learning disabilities. Speech or language impairments. Traumatic brain injury. 
visual impairments including blindness. Related services are described in this chapter under two sections, once briefly while explaining special education and once while describing collaborative services. Our third objective, which is to gain an understanding of related services, will be addressed while learning about consultation. Learning Objective 2-4. Explain the benefits and disadvantages of labeling and categorizing disabilities. Our fourth objective addresses the benefits and disadvantages of labeling students. It is important to remember that although students may be categorized as belonging to a particular group of individuals, each student is a unique person with varying needs and abilities. The entire issue of categorizing or labeling individuals with disabilities has been the subject of some controversy. Labels, whether formally imposed by psychologists or educators, or casually applied by peers, are capable of stigmatizing and, in certain instances, penalizing children. The labels we attach to people and the names we call them can significantly influence how individuals view themselves and how others in the environment relate to them. Despite the advantages of labeling children, we, like many of our colleagues in the field of special education, are not ardent supporters of the labeling process. We find that labeling too often promotes stereotyping and discrimination and may be a contributing factor to exclusionary practices in the educational and social arenas. One of our biggest concerns is that labels applied to children often lack educational relevance. Affixing a label to a child, even if accurate, is not a guarantee of better services. Rarely does a label provide instructional guidance or suggest effective management tactics. We are of the opinion that the delivery of instruction and services should be matched to the needs of the child rather than provided on the basis of the student's label. This thinking has led to calls for non-categorical programs constructed around student needs and instructional requirements rather than the etiology of disability. Learning Objective 2-5. Understand the concepts of incidence and prevalence. The following section addresses our fifth goal, which is to understand the concepts of incidence and prevalence. The term incidence refers to the rate of inception or the number of new instances of a disability occurring within a given time frame, usually a year. For example, it would be possible to calculate the rate of inception for infants born with Down syndrome between January 1st and December 31st, 2008, in a particular state. This rate would be typically expressed as a percentage of the total number of babies born within the prescribed period of time. If 20 infants were born with Down syndrome out of 15,000 births, the rate of inception would be 0.1333. The term prevalence refers to the total number of individuals with a particular disability existing in a population at a given time. Prevalence is expressed as a percentage of the population exhibiting this specific disability. For instance, one could look at the percentage of students with learning disabilities enrolled in special education programs during a specific school year. If the prevalence of learning disabilities is estimated to be 5% of the school-age population, then we can reasonably expect about 50 children out of every 1,000 students to evidence a learning disability. More than 6.1 million U.S. students between the ages of 6 and 21 
received special education services during the 2005-2006 school year. The number of students in each of the 13 disability categories recognized by IDEA are shown on page 14 of the textbook. Learning disabilities account for nearly half of all students with disabilities, 45.5%. Students with dual sensory impairments, deaf blindness, represent the smallest category of disability, 0.02%. The growth in the number of students, ages 3 to 21, receiving special education services has been phenomenal. Each year, states report an increasing number of individuals enrolled in special education programs. Since the 1976-1977 school year, the number of students approved for special education has increased by 95%. While the growth of special education over the past decades has been noteworthy, some areas of disability have grown faster than others. For instance, the population of students identified as having learning disabilities has grown dramatically. In 1976, learning disabilities accounted for approximately 25% of the total population of students with disabilities. Today, slightly less than half of all students enrolled in special education have learning disabilities. The passage of PL 99457, the Education of All Handicapped Act reauthorization of 1986, currently referred to as IDEA, increased the provision of services for infants, toddlers, and preschoolers with disabilities. Until then, half of the states did not require special education services for younger children with disabilities. During the 2005-2006 school year, almost 704,000 preschoolers with disabilities were receiving services under Part B of IDEA. Infants and toddlers with disabilities, that is, youngsters from birth through age two, benefited from IDEA. However, IDEA does not require that early intervention services be provided. Instead, states are encouraged via financial incentives to develop comprehensive and coordinated services for these youngsters and their families. Learning Objective 2-3. Explain related services and provide examples. Here we will address our third learning objective, which focuses on related services and collaboration. Under IDEA, students with disabilities are entitled to receive special services and professional support by way of collaboration with special education teachers. It is common for teachers to work with professionals from other disciplines. Special education may require the expertise of individuals outside of the field of education. As you may recall, the definition of special education incorporates the concept of related services. In fact, IDEA mandates that educational assessments of a student's needs and strengths be interdisciplinary and that related services be provided to meet the unique requirements of each learner. Examples of related services include the following. Physical therapy. Audiology. Transportation. Speech and language. Psychology. Recreational therapy. Orientation and mobility. Interpreting services. Occupational therapy. Nutrition. Medical. Social work. Vocational education. Rehabilitation counseling. And school nurse services. This list of related services is neither complete nor exhaustive. Additional services, such as assistive technology devices or interpreters for students who are deaf, may be required if a student is to benefit from special education.
There is a growing recognition of the importance of professionals working together, regardless of the different disciplines they may represent. No one discipline or professional possesses all the resources or clinical skills needed to construct the appropriate interventions and educational programs for children and youth with disabilities. Professional cooperation and partnerships are key to delivering services in an effective and integrated manner. Learning Objective 2-6. Define consultation and provide examples in special education contexts. The following section addresses Learning Objective 6, which targets consultation within special education contexts. A growing number of school districts are developing strategies for assisting general educators in serving children with disabilities. This effort is part of a larger movement aimed at making the neighborhood school and general education classroom more inclusive. One effective approach is to provide assistance to the general education teacher through consultative services. Consultation is a focused, problem-solving process in which one individual offers expertise and assistance to another. The intent of this activity is to modify teaching tactics and the learning environment to accommodate the needs of the individual student with disabilities. Assistance to the general education teacher may come from a special educator, the school psychologist, the physical therapist, or any other related service provider. A vision specialist, for example, may provide suggestions on how to use various pieces of mobility equipment needed by a student who has low vision. A school psychologist or behavior management specialist may offer suggestions for dealing with aggressive, acting out behaviors of a middle school student with emotional problems. Learning Objective 2-7. List the different age groups that are covered under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA and the services that each could receive. We will now begin to address our seventh objective, which deals with age groups that are covered under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA. When we talk about special education, most people envision services for children of school age. However, the field embraces a wider range of individuals than students between the ages of 6 and 18. In recent years, Professionals have begun to focus their attention on two distinct populations, infants, toddlers, and preschoolers, and secondary school students who are transitioning into adulthood. Meeting the needs of pupils at both ends of the spectrum presents a myriad of challenges for educators as well as related services personnel. But professionals have a mandate to serve individuals across the lifespan. This section will introduce some of the current thinking about these two age groups. In later chapters, these concepts will be explored more fully. Prior to federal law PL 94142, also known as Education of All Handicapped Act, or EHA, which was later changed to the Individuals with Disabilities Act, or IDEA, services for infants, toddlers, and preschoolers with disabilities or delays were unheard of. Public schools did not routinely offer early intervention or other supports, and in many instances, parents needed to seek assistance on their own. The Education of All Handicapped Act Amendments of 1986, Individuals with Disabilities Act, or IDEA, is concerned with the family of the youngster with disabilities as well as the child. This law clearly promotes parent-professional collaboration and partnerships, 
Parents are empowered to become decision makers with regard to programs and services for their children. We can see this emphasis in the Individualized Family Service Plan, or IFSP. Similar to the Individualized Education Plan, IEP, for older students, the IFSP is much more family-focused and reflective of family resources, priorities, and concerns. There is a distinction between early intervention and early childhood special education. Early intervention is typically used to refer to the delivery of a coordinated and comprehensive package of specialized services to infants and toddlers, birth through age two, with developmental delays or at-risk conditions, and to their families. Early childhood special education is used to describe the provision of customized services uniquely crafted to meet the individual needs of youngsters with disabilities, ages three to five. Early intervention represents a consortium of services, not just educational assistance, but also health care, social services, family supports, and other benefits. The aim of early intervention is to affect positively the overall development of the child, his or her social, emotional, physical, and intellectual well-being. Learning Objective 2-8 Define critical concepts in the transition process. Our last section addresses the definition of critical concepts in the transition process. Preparing young people for lives as independent adults has long been a goal of American secondary education. This objective typically includes providing the skills necessary for securing employment, pursuing post-secondary educational opportunities, participating in the community, living independently, and engaging in social and recreational activities. Most young adults make this transition without significant difficulty. Unfortunately, this is not true for many students with disabilities. Full participation in adult life is a goal that is not easily attainable for a large number of citizens with disabilities. Most individuals with disabilities are unemployed. Many drop out of school. Most are not well-educated, or prepared to face the adult world, and many live in poverty. This picture is unconscionable and unacceptable. What do these outcomes say about the job that professionals are doing in preparing adolescents with disabilities for the adult world? We need to do better. This issue of transition has become one of the dominant themes in contemporary special education. According to PL 108446, IDEA 2004, each student with a disability is to receive transition services, which are defined as a coordinated set of activities for a student with a disability that is designed within a results-oriented process focused on improving the academic and functional achievement of the child and facilitates the child's movement from school to post-school activities, including post-secondary education, vocational training, integrated employment, including supported employment, continuing and adult education, adult services, independent living, or community participation. Is based upon the child's needs, taking into account the child's strengths, preferences, and interests, and includes instruction, related services, community experiences, the development of employment and other post-school adult living objectives, and 
when appropriate, the acquisition of daily living skills and functional vocational evaluation. To ensure that the mandate for transition services is met, IDEA 2004 requires that each student, beginning no later than age 16 and annually thereafter, have an Individualized Transition Plan, ITP, incorporated into their Individualized Education Plan, IEP. This document, which complements the student's IEP, must include post-secondary goals, as well as a statement of the linkages and or responsibilities that various agencies, such as employment services, vocational rehabilitation services, and the school system will assume to move the individual smoothly from school to living and working in the community. The ITP must also include a statement of transition service needs and courses of study to enhance the student's post-school success. Simply stated, ITP is an annually updated instrument in coordination and cooperation. It is a working document that identifies the range of services, resources, supports, and activities that each student may require during transition services. This concludes the assignment.